following God's will is always good. Following God's will is always right. But following God's will is not always easy. As we think about the disciples in Luke 8, they are told to get on board a ship to sail across the Sea of Galilee to the area of the Gerasenes and a storm erupts. And Jesus is asleep. Now Jesus is the one who told them we're going across. But at that moment when the storm comes... They struggle. They struggle in their faith. And as we think about Luke chapter 8, we find in the first 21 verses in Luke 8, Jesus is primarily preaching. He's sharing a message of about a sower who goes out to sow seed. But then in verse number 22, and through the rest of this chapter, the way that it's broke up, is we move from the preaching of Jesus to see the power of Jesus. And Jesus does four major miracles. He calms a crazy storm of a sea. He heals and saves a man who is demon-possessed. He touches a woman who has had a physical issue of bleeding for years and he heals her as she touches the hem of his robe and he raises a little girl from the dead. As we think about Luke and we think about the end of this chapter and we think about these four miracles placed right after each other, I believe that the Lord has a word and a challenge for us. That he wants to increase our faith. That he wants to escalate our view of the Lord Jesus. So that we see him in his power and in his glory. And he wants us to exercise obedience. And to walk in that faith. To trust and obey and live for him. Lord, may our faith increase and may our view of who you are escalate as we think about your power and glory. But then, Lord, help us to put it into practice so that we walk by faith. So take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to pick up in verse number 22. Luke chapter 8 and pick up in verse number 22. It says this, one day... He and the disciples got into a boat and he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake and they were being swamped and were in danger. And they came and woke him up saying, master, master, we're going to die. Then he, Jesus, got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, so they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? 
They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, Who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. Then they sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he got out on the land, a demon-possessed man from the town met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes and did not stay in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him and said in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torment me. For he commanded, he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into the desert places. What is your name? Jesus asked him. Legion, he said, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to banish them to the abyss. A large herd of pigs was there, feeding on the hillside, And the demons begged him to permit them to enter the pigs, and he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. We'll stop reading right there. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would take these next moments together. Lord, that you would speak, that you would move that you would show your power and might, and that we would increase in our faith. That we would escalate our view of who you are, and that we would leave this place walking by faith and not by sight. In your name, amen. One of the joys of going to Israel is actually going out onto the Sea of Galilee. You take off from the area of Tiberias and you're up in this northern area of Galilee. And one thing you do know, you know that you are very close to the exact place where Jesus, awakened by his disciples, rebukes the wind and the waves and everything is peaceful. It is an amazing place to be. As you think about the geography of where the Sea of Galilee is, the Sea of Galilee is is not very large. It's only about five miles wide, about 13 miles long, and it is surrounded by mountains. When you are in the city of Tiberias, if you look out on one side of your hotel, you see the Sea of Galilee, and across the way you see the Golan Heights. But as you turn and look the other way from the city of Tiberias, you recognize you are surrounded by hills all the way. And because of of that, there is this almost bowl-shaped uh, issue of the sea of where the Sea of Galilee is, so that when a storm descends and begins to brew in this area, it can grow up very fierce very quickly. Now, Jesus has told his disciples that we are going to go across to the other side. And now Jesus has gotten into the boat and we get a picture of the humanity of Jesus and that as he enters the boat, he falls asleep. But then as Jesus is awakened, 
we recognize that he ultimately stands in control of anything that we face in our life. So as we think about when Jesus commands today, I want to think about this in three lights today. And first we see this. We find that Jesus commands the storms. Jesus commands the storms of life. Jesus commands the storms of our life. Jesus commands the storms. This summer when we were out, uh, we were at home and Micah had gone to the, the Muni with a couple of friends and they were coming back. The Muni had been canceled and, and when they uh, were on their way back, he calls and says, Dad, there is a terrible storm. It is bad. It is hailing right now. It is raining so hard. I can't even see. And I said, basically, son, you've got one or two choices right here. Number one, you can pull over or the next exit, you can pull off and you can stop and wait. Or you can just continue to drive. All of us face storms in our life. All of us face physical storms in our life. He this summer as well, was with some folks at Wally's. And he called us and said, Dad, there's another terrible storm. All of the Wally's employees told us we had to go into the bathroom. So we're all in the bathroom right now, but I want you to know I'm okay. Well, that's perfect, son. Glad that you're safe. And uh, anyway, the beauty of storms is they don't last forever. But what we find here is we find that Jesus does truly command the storms. As we think about storms, storms really reveal who we are. So the storms of life reveal who we are. And as we think about the storms of life and all of the storms that we face, I mean, we'll face physical storms in our life, but we'll also face financial storms in our life. We'll, re- we'll face relational storms in our life. We'll probably face some kind of family storm in our life. Somewhere down the road, if we live long enough, there's going to be some kind of physical storm that we face in our life. We're going to go through lots of different storms, and these storms show us who we are. These were trained fishermen that were on board, but the storms revealed their physical limitations. See, storms reveal how we're physically limited. Storms show us that we're not in control. Some of you like to be in control. Some of you like to have uh, everything kind of right there under your arms. You like to have everything right there at your disposal. And you like to be making the plans and calling the shots and have everything lined up. But storms show us that we're not in control. Storms of physical nature, but storms of a financial or a marital or a, a, a physical sickness. Those things can come into our life unexpected and they can be completely out of control. They reveal our physical limitations that they are over us and that they often are way greater than we can handle. These guys are afraid These are trained fishermen and they are fearful for their lives and they go rush to wake up Jesus. Jesus, you've got to help us here. We are going to die. Jesus, you've already said we're going to go across. But no, 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 no. Jesus, understand, I mean, if you don't come do something, man, the wind is really blowing and the water is crashing over the boat and we are going to die. And Jesus, when he gets up, We recognize that storms reveal our spiritual condition as well. 
Because Jesus, he does tell the storm to calm, but then he turns to his disciples and asks the question, where is your faith? So I have a question for us. If you're facing a storm or a transition or a financial struggle, if you're going through a hard time in life and you're walking through a grieving time, and I know that all those times can be hard and God's will is not always easy. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Storms reveal our spiritual condition that we can get focused on all the stuff. We can hear the rush of the wind and we can see the crash of the waves and we can get all focused on all of the wrong places and all of the wrong things. And Jesus says, where's your faith? And then right before he tells it, asks the question, where's your faith? We find the storms of life not only reveal who we are, but the storms of life reveal who Jesus is. Because he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. There is this calm and a peace that comes over the the Sea of Galilee at this moment. And now the disciples, they thought that they were afraid before. Now it says they're fearful and amazed. This is a different kind of fear though. Because now they're asking themselves the question, what kind of guy is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Whoa. I mean, we've seen him touch blind eyes and we've seen him heal lame people. We've seen some of these kinds of things and, and now he controls nature too. Jesus has that kind of power. So we see that the storms of life reveal who Jesus is. It reminds us that we are not in control, but that he is absolutely in control and empowered over anything that we face in life. Some of you, as you're walking through struggles in life, some of you, as you're facing trials and temptations in life, recognize who's with you. Jesus was right with them. Who's with you? I hear lots of bad news reports about, you know... Uh, how the world's going to look in the future and people are all negative and cynical and pessimistic. And yeah, there are a lot of things around that can, can make us cynical and pessimistic. But there's one truth here. Jesus is with us. And he has all power. And he has all authority. And just as Jesus didn't leave the boat when the storm came, Jesus won't leave the church when the church hits storms and when the world and the culture turns its back. Jesus is remaining and will remain until he calls us to that place in his ultimate sovereign control to bring us to heaven with him. And then we can trust that for all eternity, Jesus is going to be the one who we worship and adore forever and ever. Amen. Jesus commands the storms. The second thing that we see is that Jesus not only commands the storms, but Jesus commands the supernatural. It's quite interesting. As, as you think, man, the disciples, they're, they're in the boat. There's this crazy storm. It's churned up. The water has come into the boat. And now, man, there's, they're trying to dip some water out of the boat. And the, everything's calm now. And, man, their heartbeat is just getting back to normal. And then they land in the area of the garrisons. And as they land, some crazy naked man runs out to the boat. 
just, I'm telling you, this is not the cruise that you would pick if you were going to go on vacation. All right? I mean, so now the next thing that happens here, you get this demon-possessed guy who has no clothes on who comes out to Jesus. And he begins to say, I know who you are, Jesus, son of the most high. Why have you come to torment us? What we find is, is that we recognize that Jesus ultimately faces a real enemy. That Jesus has an enemy. The devil and his demons are the enemy of Jesus and this guy stands and, and he kneels before Jesus because he knows that Jesus commands the supernatural. He knows and understands that Jesus is, has all authority, but he comes and he says, what do you have to do with us, Jesus, son of the most high God? This was a wild man. Instead of living in a home, he lived in tombs. Even when the people tried to get him under control and put him in restraints of some sort, he would break them off. He was demon-possessed. Demon possession is when a demon enters into someone's life and controls their mind and their body and their voice. It is very much something that is very, very real. It is something that uh, is in the supernatural realm. And so I remind all of us again to stay away from areas and issues of the occult and movies that promote the occult and things with Ouija boards and, and trying to be in astrology and those kinds of things that seek to exalt the occult. This is very real. And this man, when Jesus asks his name, he says, we, uh, my name is Legion. We are many. So apparently there are, are, uh, demons that possess this man at this point in life. It's interesting, legion, a legion was 6,000 Roman soldiers. We don't know how many or how, uh, how uh, many demons were in this guy, but we get the impression that there were more than one. And somewhere, someway along the line that this demonic uh, forces have been uh, allowed to come into his life or maybe even invited into his life, maybe promising things that cannot be delivered because now he is running around naked and living in a tomb, separated from everybody. He is a wild man and a maniac. We face a real enemy today. 1 Peter 5.8 calls us to be sober and to be vigilant. For our adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10 reminds us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and to put on the whole armor of God that may, may be able to stand against the wiles or the crafty plans of the devil. We recognize that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. There are demonic forces that are out there. But Jesus shows even by this one coming and kneeling before him and saying, look, don't torment us before our time. And then this man makes the request, would you send us into the pigs? And we find that 
Jesus shows that he has ultimate control. This demon is not in control. Or these demons are not in control. Jesus is absolutely in control. He does not back up. He is not intimidated. He stands in the power of God and he speaks with the authority of God. And we recognize that we cannot fight the supernatural on our own, the supernatural world of demons. But we recognize 1 John 4, 4 tells us that greater is he who lives in us than he that is in the world. And so we find that Jesus shows and shows that he controls ultimate authority. This demon possessed man says, look, would you send us into the pigs? Don't send us into the abyss yet. That day is coming when the demons will be sent into the abyss. But Jesus controls the ultimate authority. And then he allows these demons to go into the pigs. And then the pigs run off and go into the Sea of Galilee, and they die. Jesus controls ultimate authority. This area of the Gerasenes was primarily a Gentile area of this time. And so many scholars presume that these were Gentiles that Jesus was dealing with. And this demon-possessed man and these uh, pig farmers were indeed not Jewish, but Gentiles. But something interesting happens at that moment. If We didn't read the full passage about the man after he's delivered from the demons. But what we do find in the scripture is, is that this man, when they come to him later, it says that they find him and he is sitting at Jesus' feet and he's dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. But it says this in verse number 37. Then all of the people in the garrison region asked him to leave them. Jesus has just delivered this maniac in town. But it cost somebody some pigs. And now, Jesus, we want you to leave. Jesus commands the supernatural. Jesus commands the storms. The third thing that we find in this passage is that Jesus commands the saints. That Jesus commands a saint. This man, after he has uh, been touched by Jesus, his life has been radically and eternally changed. He has experienced a life-changing moment. This man's life is changed. And we see the power of Christ has been exemplified in his life. And we find that Jesus shows the power to deliver. That Jesus delivered this man from the uh, the demons, but also he brought this man to salvation. Notice what it says as we think about Jesus showing that power to deliver in verse number 36. It says, the eyewitnesses reported to them how the demon-possessed man was delivered. Jesus delivered this man. Jesus has the power to deliver. And the interesting point here is that this word that is delivered in verse number 36 used in the CSB version is the Greek word sozo, which in many cases the word sozo means to save. Jesus showed the power to save. We also see that Jesus offered the peace of salvation. 
In verse number 35, it tells us that this man was clothed and in his right mind. Oh, the crazy maniac that they couldn't keep in restraints. The man who was the wild man who ran across town and scared everyone now is sitting in the peace of salvation and he is sitting at the feet of Jesus and now he has clothes on and his modesty has now stepped up. Could it be that there's something about the demonic world and the immodesty that goes on around us as well today? Now he stands modest or sits modestly at the feet of Jesus and finds the peace of salvation. But not only do we find the power of salvation or the power to deliver in the peace of salvation, but we find Jesus as he speaks to this man. Notice the conversation. The man in verse number 38, the man from whom the demons had departed begged him earnestly to be with him. Jesus, I want to go with you. Jesus, I want to go with you. But it says in verse number 30, uh, 38, but he sent him away and said, go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. Jesus, Jesus calls to the place of service. It's interesting. This guy is begging Jesus to go with him. If, if you notice this, this on this side of the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, at the area of the Gerasenes, Jesus has been given three requests. The first request was from the demons. And the demons requested that they go into the pigs. And Jesus allows the demons to have their request. The second request is the people of the Gerasene region. In verse 37, I think it is. In verse 37, where they say, they beg you, we're begging you to depart from here. And guess what? Jesus grants their request. He leaves. But this request is from a believer. Lord, let me go with you. But this time, the request is denied. And Jesus says, I want you to go home. I want you to go back home and I want you to show and to share the things that I have done for you. I find it interesting as we look at the scope of this moment. The disciples are there following Jesus and, and the disciples will, will be with Jesus and they will go with Jesus and then go for Jesus through different parts. But this guy has been saved just moments. But Jesus still has a place for him to serve too. Some of you think, man, I haven't been saved long enough to do anything. I haven't trusted Jesus long enough. I'm not mature enough. I, I don't know enough. And you know what I think? I think Jesus shows us that it doesn't make a difference how old you are or how long you've been saved. That he spiritually equips us and calls us to go and share what he's done for us. We may have been saved one hour, we may have been saved five minutes, or we may have walked with Jesus for years and years. And yet what we find here is that Jesus has a specific place of service for him to go to. Some of you may be needing to ask the question in your own life, Lord, where do you want me to serve? Because the 
Christian life is not just about sitting. It is about moving and doing and going and serving. And this guy has a heart. He says, Jesus, I mean, I just want to, I just want to be with you. We ought to have that kind of heart. Jesus, I want to be with you. But Jesus says, I want you to go and serve. And we've got to have that kind of heart too. And then we find his response. It says, and off he went, proclaiming throughout the town how much Jesus had done for him. I don't know when and how long this man had been possessed by demons. He may have had a wife and kids. He may have had living parents, brothers and sisters. And the Lord Jesus says, I want you to go. And then, bum, ba, da, da, off he went. With a zeal in his heart. With a passion set before him. I'm going back to the people that were maybe closest to me. Right there in my home. Right there in my family. Who know I've been a crazy demon possessed maniac. And now I want to go share with them the truth of Jesus. People in my town. The neighbors who man whenever they saw me coming they closed the doors. I have a place. I have a place to serve. You have a place to serve as well. And here's the the challenge of it. As Jesus commands us to go, will we go off and proclaim and do what he calls us to do? I believe that this passage and these miracles are given to us so that our faith will increase and that our view of Jesus will be escalated. But I think the real key is that we're to go and to have this motivation to walk in obedience to his call and to serve others and make a difference forever. So, are you hearing that still, sweet voice of the Spirit speaking? Saying, look, if you don't know me, come. Come experience salvation. Hey, you know me? Man, I've called and equipped and gifted and sent my son for you. Where do you need to plug in? Where can you serve? With that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for our time. Thank you for the truth of your word. And God, I pray that you would take these next moments of reflection. God, that you would stir our hearts. Lord, we recognize all authority has been given to you in heaven and in earth. And Lord Jesus, you stand over the challenges, the storms of life. You stand head and shoulders as the supreme ruler and king of kings and Lord of lords. You are everything. And yet, Lord, you know the numbers of hairs on our head and you know the good works that you have planned for us. So help us to be like this brother who went off and proclaimed the good news. Jesus, stir in us in your name.